We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very much, as always, for listening and downloading. Subscribing to the podcast means a lot to me. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform it is that you enjoy listening to the podcast on. Got new episodes every Tuesday, every Friday. Random bonus episodes scattered throughout the month. And when you subscribe, new episodes are going to get sent right to your phone or to your listening device as soon as they are published, literally as soon as they are published. Uh, coming up today, it's Casual Friday. That means I'm going to have Del Reed, owner of 26 Shirts, co-founder of Bills Mafia. He joins me every Friday. Today we'll be talking uh, Buffalo Bills NFL schedule thoughts, uh, the latest 26 Shirts campaign. We'll hit on that. I'll run off some pizza hot takes from last week. So every week on this segment, we draft a starting five of something. And last week it was... Buffalo Pizza Places and fans had a lot to say, especially on Twitter. I'm going to read off some of those responses. This week, we're going to be drafting a starting five of favorite TV villains, or I'm sorry, favorite movie villains. Uh, we learned some fun facts, really good stuff with Dell. I have that for you just a quick minute. Before that, though, just a real quick programming note here. Next week, this is going to be a very, very busy podcast. I plan on having up to six episodes next week. So I'm letting you know that right now. Monday's going to be a bonus episode. I'm going to have my buddy Joe from Queens on. It's been a couple months since I've had him on. We'll talk Buffalo Bills, the offseason, a couple draft takes. Joe, if you've listened to his podcast and you've heard him on, you know he's just full of hot takes. But anyway, one of the reasons why I have him back on Monday is Joe kind of went viral last week. So he proposed to his girlfriend, now fiance, and he did it in a fashion that was picked up by the New York Post. They did a pretty significant story on it, made like page three of the newspaper. So I'm going to talk to him about all that. Again, Buffalo Bills talk, NFL talk, bunch of stuff with Joe. So that's Monday. Tuesday, I'm going to have Matt Perino on from NewYorkUp.com. We'll talk about his podcast. I'll get his thoughts, which will be at that time, just a couple of days for the draft. So Matt on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, we're doing our final Buffalo Bills mock draft. This is version six. It's been a six-week series. I've had Aaron Quinn on all of them from cover one. We've done a simulated mock for the Bills only. The computer simulates the uh, other 31 teams, and we've drafted for the Bills. It's been a different 
scenario each time. So we'll wrap up that series on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, NFL Draft Day, I'm going to be on. I'm going to have my 10 most realistic candidates for the Buffalo Bills. May have a guest on with me. Uh, We'll see about that. And then on Friday's episode, instead of casual Friday, so there won't be a casual Friday with Dell next week. Instead, we're going to have full coverage of night one of the NFL draft. We'll talk about what the Bills did or what they didn't do. I'll have a guest for that. That's a TBD uh, to be determined. And then on the weekend, probably Sunday, we'll do a, an episode of a full recap and wrap up from the NFL draft. So a very, very busy week. Unprecedented here at this podcast. Probably six of them we're doing next week. So again, if you're not yet subscribed, go ahead and do that right now. Because you'll get a notification sent right to your phone or whatever listening device literally as soon as they come out. So you won't get lost in all that. Anyway, that's next week. As of today, let's just get right down to business. Here it is. Casual Friday. My conversation with 26 Shirts owner, Del Reed. All right. Casual Friday. I am joined right now by the owner of 26 Shirts. Co-founder of Buffalo Bills Mafia, my weekly guest on these Friday chats, Del Reed. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Not too much. By the way, we're back to uh, we're back to doing this over the internet. I enjoyed having you in town last week. You feel so far away right now. I know. <laughs> Thanks for the hospitality, by the way, last week. That was really cool. It was a lot of fun to uh, be able to. I, well, I've met you in person before previously, but to be able to go to your office and and go on Main Street and go into that huge building, which again, I talked about this a little bit on my podcast Tuesday. I had no idea that building was that big. I mean, I'd seen a couple photos of your office, so I semi-knew what to expect once I got there. But that building, that tri-main building, man, holy crap. I didn't realize how big it was. I'd never been in there before. Huge building. Yeah, it's giant, man. It's been repurposed now. It houses all these different businesses and art studios and nonprofits. And it used to be... a a lot of things used to be uh, a Trico wiper factory and they, they built model a Fords earlier than that. So it's, it's done a bit. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it was a nice office. It was good to meet at least casually sort of meet your staff. It was there hard at work while we were taping. It was actually a little bit awkward and weird for me at first, only because I don't, I don't know them. So Dell and I kind of went off into our own little corner while his staff was continuing to be hard at work at their desk, but it was, it was a lot of fun, man. I really, uh, it was good to be able to hook up with you in person and hopefully come this summer. That'll happen uh, a lot more frequently. And by the way, two things that we'll get into today's stuff. Number one, uh, there will be, and I said this at the top, no casual Friday next week with Dell. It's going to be all NFL draft stuff. So next Friday show will be all about whatever the bills do on day one of the draft next Thursday. And our poll last week, so every week we do our um, our starting five. Dell and I draft five players or whatever you want to call it. And I would say no matter who wins the poll, because I always put up a poll on Twitter afterwards and uh, people vote on who drafted the better team. We do it for fun. A little bit of bragging rights, I suppose, along the way as well. But last week, the category went, all right, so we do, like I said, we've done movie soundtracks and stuff like that. And people have their takes and their opinions. And we've heard some of them. But we did favorite Buffalo pizza places last week. And, yo, the comments were littered with a lot. Of, I mean, some people liked our, our teams, but obviously everybody has their own opinion about food. And there were a lot of people who uh, took exception to our teams because they all thought that, they could draft a better team, a lot of bocce pizza, a lot of imperial stuff. I'll mention some of those pizza hot takes a little bit later, but that was fun. That was fun to do. And I should have, we talked about this afterwards. It's like pizza and food is just so subjective and it is neighborhood based. As I went back and looked like you, you went with some places that you worked at and that you've grown up around and, and so did I, a lot of West side stuff. It's just it's so hard to do something like pizza, just like it is with wings, man. You know what I'm saying? Because there's just so many great places. You're never going to get all the ones that you want. And people uh, have their takes. You know what I'm saying, Dell? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's so subjective. And not only is it subjective, but it's not like 
music or a movie where you can watch a ton of different movies like all over the you know like from all over your life and you'll rewatch or, or experience those movies easily just by breaking it up on Netflix or firing up Spotify and listening to different bands uh neighborhood pizza shops like it's not easy to like just to get into all those different places right and to try them all so right it's a, little bit, it's a completely different animal but still subjective at the same time yeah you know one other thing too before we get into this week's 26 shirts campaign you're always on podcast i had aaron on we did our mock draft on wednesday and your name came up and he called you pretty much a rock star and you're always <laughs> on you're always on a podcast or, or doing something you're always on a tv spot that's just what your life's become, which is obviously a good thing. Talk for a quick second because you were on Joe Miller's show, Overreaction Sports Podcast, and that was taped live on Sunday night, and you did that on video. What was that experience like for you? Talk about a little bit about being on a on Joe's show because he's he's a really good podcaster out there, and I, he's starting to make a good name for himself, and it's much deserved. I like his show a lot. But anyway, talk about your experience doing that last week. Yeah, no, I had a blast. I, it was a lot of fun. It was fun actually when you're doing it real time and you can see comments, you know, people saying things kind of reacting to what you're saying. And, you know, you're recording for also for a podcast that people are going to listen to later. So you want to try to, you know, keep it as listenable as possible to somebody like a day or two later. But it's really hard not to respond to the comments as they pop up. Yeah, it's but tricky. It was, no, it was great. Sunday night, it was a you know different time than what I normally will record things with people. So I was at the end of a long weekend. I was really chill and relaxed, and you know I think I probably hit the sack very shortly after talking <laughs> with Joe. But it was a different atmosphere. It was, but it was a lot of fun. He's a, yeah. he's a great host. He's doing a great job. It is really tricky. I'm glad you said that because it is. I I've done his show on Sunday night too because you are you're reacting to some extent in real time to the comments, but people aren't going to be listening. The majority of people aren't going to be listening to it until sometime on Monday afternoon or, or sometimes even Tuesday. So you got to make sure that, you know, what you're talking about doesn't sound uh, too dated. But anyway, yeah, Joe Miller's a good guy. All right, this week's 26 Shirts campaign, every week we highlight the new shirt that is out for the week. This is Volume 8, Shirt 25, High School. I like this shirt because it, it reminds me of my favorite video game of all time, which is my favorite video game of all time. The shirt... It depicts a, a buffalo eating, uh, you know, fish and jets and a Patriots. It's a great take off the, the legendary Pac-Man game. You know, by the way, so we've talked about the beneficiary each week. We also, I, I need to start giving a shout out to the artist because, again, I really like this shirt. Garrett Wolowski is the guy who designed this shirt. I saw that on the page. Um, anyway, so I want to read the description as always because, again, these shirts, when you buy them, you're, you know, they, they just don't look good on you, but you're supporting a great cause. And this week it is, uh, the beneficiaries, a guy named Kevin. I'll read the description from the 26 shirts, uh, site on October 13th, 2020, 45 year old Kevin was diagnosed with kidney cancer and his family describes it as the beginning of his nightmare. Kevin's kidney was removed on November 1st. And the following month, he started chemotherapy. Unfortunately, he received the news that treatment was not working and the cancer has spread to his lungs. His oncologist continues to try other chemo camos in hopes of a miracle. Kevin's favorite activity is fishing, and he's one of the biggest Buffalo Bills fans. His family describes him as a very laid-back guy who is always looking out for others. He is a very humble person who hates to ask anyone for help, but his diagnosis has sent him back in many ways. I mean, that's right to the point. Uh, just talk a little bit about the concept of this shirt. Maybe you know, a comment or two about Gary, but let's start with the shirt itself. It's really cool, man. Like, what are your thoughts on this shirt? I mean, I'm right in describing it as Pac-Man. Otherwise I'm really dumb here because certainly what it looks like, but it's like I said, the bills eating up the rest of the AFC. I think this is really cool, man. Yeah. All credit goes to the artist. Like you mentioned, Garrett Wolowski. He's great. I mean, dude, I've been working with Garrett as a freelance artist at 26 shirts almost since the jump, you know, uh, he, he's just, he does great work, uh, where we you know, love working with him. And, uh, this was one of those ones where I think I mentioned it last week or the week prior or sometime in the past, I've mentioned it, how it's great when stuff just like shows up in your inbox unexpectedly. So it's like Monday morning and you, you know, you're getting ready, you get your coffee, setting in for the week. And all of a sudden, like, there's like pretty much completely finished artwork, just done and ready to go. Uh, and so that was that was pretty great. He did a little bit of tweaks back and forth with our creative director, Josh. But 
um, this arrived like 99% done, <laughs> which is always nice. It's like, oh yeah, that's a cool idea. Uh, let's run it, you know? So it's great. And that's one of the best things with this whole uh, operation is that we're able to leverage, you know, different talent in the Western New York area or Western New York expats, I guess in the world, we're able to leverage all kinds of different talents throughout the world that want to uh, work with us and do some good. That's still, like I said, that's on sale. And also last week's shirt is still on sale through Sunday, a family unlike any other that benefits seven-year-old Bentley. And I, I mean, I sound like a broken record saying this every week, but the fact that these shirts really do help other people, it, it, it just means the world. One question too, and this is semi-related to the shirts here, the storefront at 26 shirts. So when I went to see you last week, you showed me, uh, I was impressed. I didn't ask you this on the show though. We talked about, you know, the retail section of, of your office that you're going to have. Like, how's that coming along? Like when can fans expect to be able to, to come in and, and start gobbling up some of the gear that you're going to have there to offer? <laughs> yeah. We're hoping to launch that in the next couple of weeks. You know, mid May is our, our target time. I don't, I don't know if we have a date specifically, really the, the space is for all in intents and purposes done. We just want to have some exclusive merch available at you know at launch to just to make it that much cooler, right? So uh, I got the shipment notice on some special hats that we're going to be offering only here. We're waiting for one last shirt design to arrive from the printer, and then we should be good to go. You know, um, it, it's great, and you saw it; it looks amazing. It you know? does. So we uh, our one of our newer employees, Nicole, just. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Knocked it out of the park with, with this entire setup and just really loving how it came together. And, you know, we have a wall that features a bunch of different families we've helped in the past. And so we wanted to make it so it's not, this isn't just a place to pick up merch, but there's at least a, a portion of the space set aside to kind of reflect on why we even exist to begin with. And so we're clear, there will be at least a few items there that you can only get at the office. Like you're not going to be able to go on the website or anywhere else. Like if you want this, you need to physically come into the 26 shirts office to be able to get it. Correct. That's the big idea. Yep. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk Buffalo Bills for a couple of minutes here. The NFL, well, this is actually about the NFL. The schedule comes out. They announced it was going to come out on May 12th. We already know the opponents. So every year it's the same kind of deal with the schedule. You already know who they're going to play. You just don't know when and what days and what times. Like, do you have any, like, thoughts on the schedule before it actually comes out or even when it does come out? Do you have any preferences? Like, is this something like the schedule release night? And again, this, this year it's on May 12th. Is this something that you look forward to even again, already knowing the opponents that they're going to be playing? Or is that something that like, you don't give a lot of thought about and you, and you just don't care that much. Somewhere in the middle, 
you know, it's not going to be May 11th, the day prior, or I think they normally start leaking stuff, you know, the day of, and then they do the schedule release show at like 8 p.m., usually on NFL Network. Uh, so it's not something that I'm, I'm going to bed the night before, like having a hard time sleeping because I'm so excited about it and scouring through Twitter, trying to find all the different leaks and piecing a schedule together. Like, <laughs> I don't get, I don't get super jazzed. Not about FBI it. like Nate Gary trying to go through. Every, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. I know uh, Brad Gelber does that too. He does a really good job as the, you know, as, as the day is coming together, like basically compiling the schedule as it, you know, as it's been leaked through different teams and through the bills or, or whatever. Um, so I, I don't, I don't get too jazzed in that respect, but you know, it's always interesting to, to figure out how many primetime games they're going to, they're going to have. And of course with flex scheduling, it could always be one more or one less. You never know. You know, if the they have an opportunity, maybe in December, they want to, the NFL wants to bump somebody that uh, is underperforming, then maybe the Bills get an additional uh, primetime game based on whatever matchup they have slated for that time of the year, or, or vice versa, God forbid, right? right. <laughs> we're, promised, we're promised a Sunday night football game and the Bills are just not delivering it in this season. And so they go back to Sunday at 1 p.m. Like, let's not talk about that, but um, – I hear, yeah, I are you the kind of guy, Dell, that, like you mentioned, the NFL Network special at 8 o'clock, are you the kind of guy that's going to sit there and watch that entire episode, or are you just going to pick up your phone, look on Twitter at 8, 8.01 p.m., and the Bills have announced their schedule already, and you can just look at all 16 games, or 17 games, I should say, starting this year, and you just look at it in one swoop as opposed to sitting there and looking week by week. Like, What's your approach towards that? Yeah, because I forget it half the time anyways. Like, you, you could be September. I'm like, who are we play in week 12? Who are we play in week? 12? So a lot of times I'll, I'll make it make maybe my lock screen for a, a, you know, a few months until I, I kind of have a good idea in terms of who they're playing or maybe just because my phone needed a new lock screen anyways, because it gets boring. Like the same thing. All the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to watch that entire show. It's just a lot of, you know, obviously I'm super bill centric in my brain. So when they start analyzing, you know, the Bucks schedule and what it's going to take for them to defend their title, I don't care. <laughs> right. I don't care about that. So um, it'll be interesting, though. One thing I am I am rooting for, aside from 17 straight games at Sunday, 1 p.m. I know I'm an old guy. I like my routine. That's that's what I like, man. Yes. <laughs> with, you know, with with success, we all have to make some sacrifices. So that's fine. You know, you know, my my old self will just deal with going to bed at one o'clock because I'm so excited watching <laughs> them play a Monday night game or Sunday night game. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, but outside of, outside of, of that, which isn't going to happen, uh, I, I would love, I would love to see the team open up their season in Tampa against Brady. I would, I think that's such a great tone setter. I think it's something that um, we, so many fans so often like, well, I don't want to, you know, st-. no, no, don't shy away from the challenges, man. It, whether it's if, whether it's your favorite sports team or in life, do not shy away from challenges. And I would love the opportunity uh, to be given to the Bills to open up their season on prime time against the Super Bowl champs, against Tom freaking Brady, and a chance to go 1-0 and with such a statement. That would be great. That would be great. It would, and I want to piggyback, piggyback off two of your points here. Number one, I'm with you on this. I don't know, maybe we are getting old. I don't know what it is, but if I had my way, the Bills would play 17 games 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. I would have every week the same way I, I am a creature of habit. I love getting up on Sunday, hopefully not too hungover, you know, have a nice breakfast and uh, yeah, it's an ample amount of time to get yourself in the right mindset. You're checking your fantasy lineups and bam, the bills play at one o'clock and, and then they're done at four and you're either in a good mood or you're in a shitty mood, but whatever, you know what you're going to be at four o'clock. I hate playing on Thursday nights because it either... Mm-hmm. It, 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 well, it can make your weekend, but it could also ruin your weekend because you don't even care about the NFL because the Bills lost on Thursday night. I don't like waiting until later at night to play. It just makes Sunday feel forever and it kind of a drag. And I, and, and I feel the same way about Monday. So yeah, I feel the same way. I would love 17 1 p.m. games on Sunday. I'm glad you mentioned the Bills at Tampa Bay as a potential opener because I listened to Sal Capaccio's podcast on Wednesday, uh, Sal Sports and stuff. He had Mike North on. Now, I'm not sure exactly who Mike North is. I just know he has a lot to do with the NFL schedule. And Sal had him on his podcast last year, and he's pretty informative. And that was the case again this year. 
he mentioned that the Bills playing at Tampa to start the season is absolutely in play. I mean, he didn't give any spoilers, so he didn't reveal anything. But he did say that that game is in play. It does make great sense. We do know Tampa's going to open the season at home. And I would say maybe that that's their, uh, that's their probably their, maybe the second most attractive matchup for them. I would say the likely candidate, like if my money, if I had to bet money on it, I would say that they open the season at home against New Orleans because you got, first of all, the Saints are a divisional rival and they're a good team. And in all likeliness, Jameis Winston's going to be starting. Of course, he played five years in Tampa. So he'd be coming back. I mean, he played twice last year, but Winston didn't start. It was Drew Brees' show. So I can see that happening. But yeah, I'm with you there. I'll make that. That'll be the one exception I'll make. Week one, give me the Bills in Tampa, and then give me 16 uh, Sunday games at one o'clock. Let me ask you this too. So like, and I've never discussed this with you before. Like, are you a, uh, are you a road trip kind of guy? Are you purely... You go to as many home games as you can, but like you really don't hit the road for Bills games. Have you been on some Bills road games before? Not a ton, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I've been to one, out to maybe just two away games in my life. Um, and I, I know Bills fans travel well, and I'm always quick to brag about that as a fellow fan. But uh, just the way that, you know, my life has shook out, like it's not something I've been, you know, able to, to pull off, but. You know, now, uh, you know, one kid graduating high school and got another one well into her, her career in high school. So, you know, my, my weekends have a lot less demand on them than they used to. So who knows, you know, what the future holds, you know, post-pandemic. Uh, I've, I had a blast. Uh, I'm 2-0. and if I, You know, like I said, I think it was just two games I've been to on a way. So uh, I'm 2-0. and I, I can speak for that. You know, the, the famous Stevie Johnson three-touchdown game in Cincinnati where they came up from behind and – Stevie did the Why So Serious. I was there for that game. Oh, nice. I was there for Thursday night in 2015 when the Bills beat the Jets on Thursday night football. So uh, there's something to be said there. You know, that, that was the ugly color rush game where they're all green versus all red. If you remember that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that. People who were colorblind were complaining that they couldn't tell who was who. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I was part for that. I was part of that NFL milestone, which you know helped the league realize, like, okay, we have to think through this color rush. <laughs> I'm only I've only been to one game on the road as a fan ever. Uh, it was in it was when I first moved down here, 2016, Miami, and the Bills lost the game. So I'm 0 and one. I did go. I don't I don't remember the year though. It was a long time ago. Um, I went to Kansas City and actually had a credential. I actually covered that game for a local rag. It, in Buffalo and the Bills lost that. So anyway, point being is the Bills are 0-2, the complete opposite when I'm there. Let me ask you a hypothetical, though. Let's just pretend, uh, just for fun, that you were going to go to two road games this year. I'm going to run off their opponents on the road. If you had your, if you had the opportunity to go to any two road games this year, and again, let's assume that the vaccination goes well enough and that fans are at full capacity and things are as back to normal as possible. If you could go to any two of these and you factor in the team, the city that you'd be going to for the weekend, all that stuff, what would you pick? So you got, obviously, the AFC East. You got Miami, you got New England, and you got New York. And then they're also going to be at Jacksonville, at New Orleans, at Tampa, at Tennessee, and at Kansas City. If you could pick two of those games to go on the road this year, what would you pick? I think I'd go to Tampa and Miami. One... uh I, again, I would love, especially with that Thursday night game, pff, sign me up for that. You know, everybody, like <laughs> my own personal narrative, like that's what's happening. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go to Tampa and I'd love to go to Miami too, because I, I feel like seeing the Bills play in Miami is kind of like a rite of passage for for, for Bills fans. Like you, you, eventually you get, you've got to get down to Miami and watch the Bills play the Dolphins there. So that's something I'd love to, it's a box I'd love to check. Yeah. It, I mean, High Rock Stadium, it, it's really nice. And uh if you went to Miami for a game, you wouldn't be alone because the Bills fans are very well represented there. I was kind of blown away by how many Bills fans there are. Tampa, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's different now. I have, like I said, I only went to two Bills road games, but I have been to Tampa Bay Buccaneers home games before, but not last year after they got Brady and stuff. I went when Damone Harris was with Tampa, family friend, um, you know, the UB guy. And it's very neutral. Like, like the fans, it's almost weird. 
because it's like the fans there are not really fans of any one team, including Tampa. At least this is the way it was. Now, maybe they're bandwagon hoppers now, so all of a sudden they're all Tampa fans. But I think they went to play the Saints. I remember going to one game, and I'm like, everyone had Packers jerseys on and Raiders jerseys. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, man? This is, you know, it's like the games that are played in Mexico or Canada where there's just fans of, of football, not even necessarily the team. It was really weird. But obviously, Tampa's a beautiful city, and, uh, you know, it's, and I'm sure also you'd be more inclined to want to go up there like if it's like November or December when it's, uh, you know, the weather is a lot nicer down here than say in September. If you go to a, you know, if you go to a Bill's Miami game, September 8th, man, you're, you're, it's going to be hot. It's going to be 85 degrees and humid. So yeah, yeah that'll sure. be a factor. All right. So drafts a week away. I mean, there's not really anything specific to talk about with the draft because we kind of made our, you know, our, our, our cases known here. You're in a position where, you just trust the organization to to do the right thing and just add talent. I will say this though, because again, and you're on Twitter enough. I know you're busy, but you're on Twitter enough to know that it's it's like at its peak fever right now. Everybody's got their mock drafts, and you know everybody's got their strong draft takes. I will say this: the one thing Brandon Bean had his press conference this week, and this is worth noting and maybe discussing for a few here. They're going to make these picks with the long-term in mind as much as the short-term. Like right now, we all have this mindset of, if you go get this guy, this is going to help the team right now. But the Bills and and most NFL teams don't really operate that way. You know, you go get a guy in the first round, you got him for five years. It's it's about years two, three, and four as much as, uh, you know, as as a rookie year. The one, I don't want to say downside because it's a good thing, but when the Buffalo Bills being as good as they are right now, a rookie coming in at pick number 30, especially if they stay at 30, probably ain't going to start anyway as a rookie. You know what I'm saying? But I, I will say that I've come to the point where, and I'll be good with almost anything they do as well, but I really keep coming back to defensive end based on what Brandon Bean said, because maybe if that guy isn't that much of a factor this year, you got Hughes in the last year of his contract and you got Addison who's, in the last year, I think he's in the last year of his deal and he'll probably be gone after this year. And you don't got a lot of depth. AJ Epinesa and Daryl Johnson. That's about it after this year. So I keep coming back to I think defensive end is going to end up being this pick. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I one thing to note though is these draft luncheons. They often they often say one thing and then they do the exact opposite thing the the, True. the next week because of the you know the misinformation campaigns. But you know what you said is it makes perfect sense. Uh, I think it's all going to depend on like who's available at thirty you know, when the time comes. Uh, who who knows? Maybe they have their eyes set on some stud and they're going to end up trading up for some guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if they've got you know maybe three or four guys that they're they'd be interested in at thirty, and then they even trade down because there's a chance that those guys will one of those guys will still be available like a few picks later. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think other teams in the division are going to get more immediate help than the Bills if nothing else, because of where they pick. I mean, the Jets got the second pick of the draft. Zach Wilson's going to be the starting quarterback day one. That's a done deal. Uh, New England, they, they pick at 15. I, I don't know what they'll do. But like Miami, they're the probably, and we've said this before, we both consider Miami probably the team that's closest to Buffalo right now. You know, the biggest threat to them in the AFC is not really New England at this point. Dude, they got the sixth and the 18th pick. And a lot of guys that we've drooled over, whether it's you and I or just Bills fans in general, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, that wide receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end, they're going to get one of those two guys at six. And then you come back at 18, you and I have talked about this and Bills fans have talked about this, like say for an example, running back, whether it's Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, they might get one of them too. So the Miami might lead this draft on day one next Thursday night, hypothetically with Kyle Pitts and Najee Harris, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a, a a fun draft, really interesting. And like I said, the things, the, the I don't know if it's gonna shift the balance of power. In fact, it's not going to because these guys are gonna be rookies. But again, with the Bills, I'd say cornerback for sure, and maybe offensive guard are the only realistic spots where the Bills can take a guy on and, and potentially be a day one starter. One more thing too, wide receiver. I'm starting to hear a lot about wide receiver over this last week, and on the surface, I'm like, well, why? Because they got good receivers. But again, uh, Emmanuel Sanders is only here for one year. Cole Beasley, as good as he's been, who knows how much longer he'll be here. So wide receiver could be in play too, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a lot of 
sneaky needs on the roster that perhaps we're overlooking as fans. But, you know, if you're responsible for managing this team, you know, I can understand why Brandon Bean would say like, oh, we're as more interested in long term than short term because they have a good thing now, but they just want to make sure that this good thing, you know, and we're looking for, you know, I, I I've, you know, I banged the table for Travis Etienne a couple weeks ago on here, just to the whole point of doubling down on your strongest, you know, uh, the strongest side of the ball. But I can completely understand, especially the way you just laid it out with the Dolphins and who could they end up, they could end up leaving the draft with. I can understand why the Bills may want to put a little bit more effort into the defensive side of the ball, because I guess that could go south quickly within a season or two. Yeah. And the biggest thing at the end of the day, Dell, whether it's any offseason move they make, whether it's a free agent, a trade they make, or the draft, your goal has to be to beat the Chiefs. They're the top dog right now, and how do you beat the Chiefs? You can make the argument, well, you can add Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, and you know I love these running backs, but are you going to beat the Chiefs by running the ball better? No. You know, even the offensive line, they're good for, they're okay for right now. Maybe you can get an upgrade at guard, in center, or that guy could be a starter in the future because Morris and Felicia Allen, maybe they're only here for one day. But how do you beat the Chiefs? You beat the Chiefs, we saw it with Tampa Bay. You get after the quarterback, right? You saw what Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl. Now, granted, the Chiefs had a pair of backup tackles, but you rush the passer and you cover the receivers. So that kind of leads you back to the corner defensive end. But I'm sure you agree with that. At the end of the day, it's all about everything the Bills do right now should be anyway, right? About being in the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the road to the Super Bowl runs through Kansas City. So, you know, the decisions that they make should reflect on what do we have to do to get past that hump. All right, let's wrap up with our segments here. One of them is today's years old. Each week, Dell and I talk about something that we've learned over the past week. So maybe it's this week's years old or whatever, but we call it today's years old. So something that we've learned that we never knew before, a little fun fact or, or educational thing, whatever it may be. Uh, I'll let you go first. What do you got this week? Okay. So last night I watched Beastie Boys story on Apple TV, which I didn't even know existed. It just, I kind of ran. I was like, Oh wow. And you know, my wife and I were flipping through just the offerings on our Amazon and saw that. I was like, we immediately stopped what we were doing and said, okay, we're watching, we're spending the next two hours watching this. It was great. It was such a great, uh, you know, documentary, the way they did it with basically a stage show where it was Ad rock and Mike D on the stage, basically walking the audience through their entire careers to the point, you know, beginning when they were like 16 years old. And so one thing that I did not know is that the beastie boys were originally a four person group. And that fourth person was not even a boy. <laughs> Her name was Kate Schellenbach. And she was a, uh, part, she was part of the band, you know, up until they signed with Def Jam and Rick Rubin and uh, Russell Simmons. And at that point, they, you know, she left the band. I, she, I think she was asked to leave the way they described it. Um, that was one of the biggest regrets, I think, that, that, that Ad-Rock mentioned, but. She went on to you know bigger and better things. Anyways, she's a TV producer. She's the drummer for Luscious Jackson. It's like she's she's done all right for herself and her career. But so that, that's that's my today's years old is that wow. I did not know that the fourth Beastie Boy existed and that it was a girl. I'll tell you what. I mean, that's legit good because I'm a big Beastie Boys fan. One of my favorite rap groups of all time. I never knew that. Yeah, absolutely. I never knew I'm really glad to hear that this fourth person, and, and again, I never knew there was a fourth person, let alone a girl at the time. Thank God she turned out to do some good stuff with her life because imagine being that fourth <laughs> person who voluntarily left and said, nah, you know, I've heard, I know some people might roll their eyes and laugh, but I was listening to a podcast recently with uh, Chris Kirkpatrick. He's one of the guys from NSYNC. And he was talking about the history of, of their band. And again, love them or hate them. They were the biggest boy band on earth for a, a while. But anyway, my point was there were a couple guys in this group. The, the group that became famous wasn't the original group. There were a couple guys who were in it and didn't think the band was going to do anything and they left. And it's just, uh, you know, it really sucks for them. But yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that. All right. So mine is this, and it ties a little bit into, I was doing research. This is how I found out. I was doing research for 
our uh, starting five draft, which we're going to do in a couple minutes. But I'm today's years old when I realized Jack Nicholson is 84 years old right now. Did you know? I, in hindsight, I should realize he was that old. Because I don't know. I, I see him and he doesn't look that old. But yeah, dude, Jack Nicholson is 84 years old right now. Like the movies that he first became famous for that I know, like One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest, that was in, in hindsight, I should realize it. It was in the mid 70s and The Shining was like literally 1980, 40 or 40 some years ago. But you know that he was that old, Jack Nicholson, 84 years old? I mean, it makes sense because I remember seeing him in, I think it was the 2002 movie about Schmidt, thinking, Ah, Jack, Jack Nicholson's kind of old. That was <laughs> 19 <laughs> years ago. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Um, before we get to our poll results from Wait, last real week. Quick, go ahead. Real quick. Favorite Jack Nicholson movie? Uh, I, I, I just mentioned it. One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. I, I don't, it's, it's before, well, I don't want to say it's before my time because I was alive when it came out. So I appreciated it when I got older, just the storytelling. And that was, uh, he was so good in that. It's tough though. I mean, there's a lot of them. He's, he's done, man. I mean, he, he goes all the way back to the sixties. I also like, I mean, he wasn't the main star in it, but I, I loved Batman. That was definitely, uh, right after oh, yeah. when he, when he was the Joker, um, eh. The Departed, again, he had a, a role in it. He wasn't the guy, but I don't know. What, what's yours? See, I've never seen, as crazy as it sounds, because I like to consider myself like a filmophile, right? I like to, or cinephile. I like to watch all these movies, especially old movies. Uh, I've never seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So that's my bad. Really? That's on me. But I don't know, man. I, well, I would probably, what's that? No, I was going to say, <laughs> well, then there's going to be somebody in my draft that you're going to be like, huh? I mean, you might don't recognize the name, but you're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. So for me, I don't know. I probably go with The Shining, man. That, that was a great movie. He, you know, and not just because like here is Johnny, but the entire movie, he does a really great job of descending into like this absolutely terrible person. <laughs> he does. He does <laughs> for it, sure. A great job. It's a good movie. A few good men was one of my favorites. Yeah, as for well, sure. For sure. Him and Tom Cruise. So before I get into the results from our draft last week, the poll, and and then we'll get into this week's draft. Um, I like to do sometimes this thing. I call it fun with polls. I'll take a poll that someone else did and just get what your thoughts on it. I mentioned him earlier in the podcast, my buddy, Nate Gary from WGR. In fact, he just tweeted this out Thursday morning. I want to, I want to know what your uh, response would be. He said, okay, important question. If you can only have one thing for the rest of your life and you had to choose between taking a hot shower in the morning, you'd only be allowed to take cold showers if you didn't take the hot shower option or having your morning caffeine, whether it's energy drinks, coffee, soda pop, whatever, what would you choose? So for the rest of your life, you can only have one of them, hot shower in the morning or caffeine in the morning. Well, what would you take? I'll tell you. Okay. The, well, first I want to get your take and then I'll tell you what the results were. This is my knee jerk response because I did not see his tweet this morning or Thursday morning. I did not. Um, so this is my first thought is I think I'd give up the hot showers. I mean, and dude, I love a hot shower to the point where if my skin doesn't feel like it's about to slide off my body, it's not hot enough. Yeah. That said, I, I do know that a cold shower is something that is actually kind of good for your brain and actually uh, fights depression and just basically opens up like neuro pathways in your brain to be you know more responsive and alert. So I think between that and then if I still had my morning coffee, I'd be okay. It would take me a while to get used to like the cold showers. In fact, I'd probably hate I don't know how it fights off depression because maybe just because you offset it with anger and frustration, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the direction I would go. I would take the caffeine first as well, but I don't, I, I thought of it and I'm like, this is interesting. And I wanted to highlight it on this podcast because I really enjoy both and it would be a hard decision. I enjoy the hot shower in the morning, not even so much as a luxury, but almost a necessity. So I have COPD and when I sleep for six, seven, eight hours, when I first get up in the morning, my lungs ain't ready to really start working well yet. You know what I mean? I'm not breathing great. That hot shower, the steam, when I get in in the morning, that kind of what, it gets my body going and, and it starts opening up my lungs a little bit and I breathe a little better. So medically, I might want to say that, but I don't think, I literally don't think I can function without caffeine in the morning. Now, <laughs> you say coffee, I say soda. And by the way, it's not because I moved to Florida, I started saying soda instead of pop. I even grew up saying soda. My dad... Soda is actually unique for everyone out there listening. 
If you live in New York City or were born and raised in New York City, you say soda too. It's not pop. Pop's a Buffalo thing. But anyway, my point is, I, I need my soda in the morning. It, it, within 15 minutes of being up, I have a, a glass of soda right away, like Diet Coke or something <laughs> like that, like one of Donald Trump's Diet Cokes. But I, I need it. And if I don't have caffeine, I get headaches, man. And it's weird because, Dell, I chain smoked for 20 years. I haven't had a cigarette in nine years. I quit smoking and then I vaped for a couple of years after I quit smoking. It was kind of like my, uh, you know, my Band-Aid. And eventually I gave that up to about five, six years ago. My point was, I think I struggle more trying to not drink soda than I ever did smoke, quitting smoking or uh, quitting vaping. It's been harder for me when I do try to quit drinking soda than ever. Anyway, the audience voted, uh, or the readers, I should say, overwhelmingly, 77% said they could only have one, they would take showers. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It is not a pleasant experience. Like I said, it's something that I would not enjoy, but for my own benefit, for my brain, I think I'd probably go that direction and regret it every morning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so last week we drafted our starting five favorite Buffalo pizza places. Um, pretty large sample size in, in my Twitter poll, well over 500 votes. And I was expecting it to be close. I didn't know who was going to win, but I expected it to be close. And I was wrong because you kicked my ass, bro. You got 68.4% of the vote and I only got 31.6. Dell took Amherst Ale House, Macy's Place Pizzeria, Franco's Pizza, uh, DePaulo's Pizza, and John's. And I took Mr. Pizza Lenova. Bella Pizza. I think that one hurt me, by the way, because a lot of people in Lackawanna, or if you're not from Lackawanna, they're like, what the hell is that? Bob and John's on Hurdle and Casa de Pizza. Um, yeah, you took the 3-2 series lead now, man. You're you're up 3-2 on me. Kick my ass. Are you surprised that you kicked my ass? I mean, again, I, I thought it was going to be close, and it wasn't close. You got almost 70%. Yeah, I had no idea, no idea which direction it was going to go because – you know, like we said, pizza is so subjective or food is so subjective and it's really pigeonholed into where you live in terms of the neighborhood pizzerias and everything. But also, I mean, Macy's and Amherst Ale House are some social media, you know, Twitter giants or Instagram giants. Yeah. Really so have, are you, by the know, way, hey, with your 36,000 followers to my like 5.4. You'll get there. You'll get there. No, but. You deserve, I mean, look, they're, they're good picks. And again, pizza was, is so subjective. Some of the, the the hot takes, I don't want to say hot takes. Well, some of them were hot takes. Some of the interactions on the Twitter polls were unlike any of the other categories that we had done before. And two of them that I think most people thought that we missed out on the most. And I'm going to stand by my picks. And I know you stand by yours as well. Um, Imperial pizza and bocce pizza. And I said on the show last week, I never had bocce, so how the hell can I pick them? And again, maybe you like them, but you had five that you like better. It's just the way it goes. Anyway, many responses to them. I'm not going to read them all, but one about Imperial. It said, <laughs> I thought this was kind of funny. Neither of you guys have Imperial on your list. You guys are the Dave Gettleman of drafting. That's the Giants GM who's always <laughs> picking the wrong guys. They call, us, they call us the Dave Gettleman of drafting because neither of us took Imperial. Quickly. I don't look, I do the wings thing and I feel a sense of responsibility to an extent. I don't take it serious. I don't think anyone does or should take me serious, but at the same token, if I'm putting my name on something, if I'm power ranking them or reviewing them, I, I got to take it serious. And I don't want to send somebody somewhere to have something that sucks because then it looks bad on me or vice versa. I'm not going to say something's good if I think it sucks or, or vice versa. But anyway, I don't like Imperial pizza. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there, folks. Cause again, I heard a lot of Imperial fans out there getting on me, man. I like Imperial, Imperial. Pizza Mafia is going to come for you. Yeah, they are going to come for me. And then the South Buffalo, that's like sacrilegious to South Buffalo people to diss Imperial pizza. I get it. I was just at Imperial last week, by the way, when I was in Buffalo, I went there, but guess what? I had some beers and uh, <laughs> I like it. I like the bar. It's a little right on the pricey side, but whatever, man, if, you know, if I have a couple beers and I want to slice, I'll eat it. It's not like I hate it, but. It certainly wasn't going to be in my top five. But anyway, I don't get off track here. In terms of bocce, uh, one of the comments, nice of bocce to sit this one out and let the others have some fun. Uh, no <laughs> <Hey>. comment. No. <laughs> you, get, you get, like, I, and then one person said, and we kind of hit on this a little bit at the beginning. One person said, you can always tell where in Buffalo a person lives by which pizza they consider the best. I think that's fair. 
Again, yeah. I, I'm a West Side, North Buffalo guy. So I had Mr. Pizza, Lenova, Bob and John's, and Kaza, which was on Elmwood. Now it's downtown, but I grew up with it on Elmwood. So four of my five are from where I'm from, that area, you know? So that's fair. Yeah, it makes sense. All right, this week's category, we're going to get off Buffalo food. We're going to transition back to pop culture. Best movie villains of all time. So this is going to be our starting five of our favorite movie villains. It could be a horror movie villain. It could be a drama, an adventure. It could be a, a comedy, just whatever. A, a villain from a movie, our, our starting five of all time. Now, I, I think I went first last week. So you're going to get the first pick this week. You're going to be on the clock. What do you got? Got to go with Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, uh, just is it The Dark Knight Rises? It's the second one. I forget which one it is. I think they both say Dark Knight. Anyways, it's The the Dark Knight, I think. Yeah, the the second Batman movie by Christopher Nolan, which are, as much as I love the Marvel movies, probably, in my opinion, the the best, you know, superhero set of movies ever ever put together i just absolutely love the christopher nolan trilogy um i mean <laughs> they keep making movies with joker in it i i just feel like it's so foolish because it's it's peaked that character has peaked and uh whether it's jared leto or joaquin phoenix um joaquin phoenix i thought did a great job you know playing that character wasn't even that character it was a different one but a different joker but um i mean Heath Ledger just set the bar and just blew it out of the water. And the fact that they're still trying to make movies about this character is, is crazy. I completely agree. Didn't Joaquin Phoenix win an Oscar too for, I, I, I feel like he won an Oscar for his portrayal of the Joker, but regardless, I agree with you hundred percent with Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger was on my list as well too, by the way. So I have a list of about eight candidates and, and he was one of them. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the watching Phoenix did win best performance by an actor in a leading role. He did. All right. Well, regardless, this is still still say this isn't a starting five of Oscar winners. This is a starting five of our favorite uh movie villains of all time. Heath Ledger's a great pick. All right, I'm gonna I got two here. This gets me in trouble. I'm starting to learn this trend every week with you. I, I stay true to the era that I identify with the best and, and it doesn't seem to resonate quite as well with fans, but I got to be who I am. I'm going with two old school villains. Um, Michael Myers from the Halloween franchise. That first came out in 78. I was like five, six, I don't know, seven years old. Uh, To this day, I remember being so scared of this dude. I remember hiding behind my couch when I was watching Halloween movies. I was like nine, 10 years old, literally had to hide behind my couch. Michael Myers is a badass, man. And then I'm going to stay in that same... um, atmosphere that same ballpark and i'm gonna go jason Voorhees from the friday the 13th franchise uh camp crystal lake was not a place that you wanted to be and again that started in the 80s Uh, well they are villains because they literally slaughtered and murdered people so i I feel pretty good saying those so yeah i'm gonna go with mike myers from halloween and i'm gonna go with jason Voorhees from uh the friday the 13th so you're gonna have two now so you, you go for the strong, silent type. Yeah, they don't say much. <laughs> Do they say anything? I don't know. Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to stick with the, the comic book theme here, and I'm going to go with Thanos, who uh, I guess you, there's an argument to be made that he wasn't the villain in Infinity War. He was the protagonist uh, because, really, that whole movie was his story about him accomplishing his goal, wiping out you know half the life in, in the universe. And I really think that you know early on, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they didn't do the best job fleshing out their villains, you know, their bad guys. And when it came to Thanos, like, I mean, there was an entire, you know, uh, Reddit channel set up saying like Thanos was right. Or right. And, um, I remember one time they did, a, there was a, a, right after Infinity War, they created a Reddit channel and they announced that they were going to ban 50% of the people uh, in, in that channel. Uh, at a certain date. So everybody was joining to see if they end up getting snapped. Um, but it was, I mean, just what became, you know, much like Heath Ledger's uh, Joker, a pop culture icon, uh, you know, Thanos, like everybody, whether you've seen the movies or not, you know who Thanos is. Sure. And they did a fantastic job, actually. Whether you agree with, you know, <laughs> his reasoning or not, you understood why he did what he was doing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, you got another one too? I'm going to go with Kaiser Soze from Usual Suspects. Uh, Kevin Spacey in that role. Uh, sorry if I just ruined the movie for everybody because it's <laughs> such an amazing twist at the end. Uh, real cult classic movie. Uh, have you ever seen it before, Pat? I have. It's been a while though. But I, I again, well, you know what? It's been enough years. So I, I, I can't. It's too late for spoilers. When he fakes that at, at the end and starts walking, that is one of the yep. coolest twists I've ever seen in any movie Absolutely. ever. Absolutely. And, you know, the whole theme through the entire movie is who is Kaiser Soze? It's just, it's great. It's, you know, it's too bad Kevin Spacey turned out to be the, per- <laughs> the person that he is. But um, regardless, uh, just an absolute you know, I, I guess I'll say iconic within like the cult film world. I mean, not everybody has seen that movie. A lot of people have, but it's, he's, it's great. What a great yeah. twist. Again, that's a sneaky good one. That is one, like I said, one of the best twists from the end of a movie I've ever seen. All right. So I got two more here now. This is the one I was talking about where you said you never seen the movie, but you probably have heard the name anyway. It is from uh, One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. I'm going with Nurse Ratchet. Um, again, you have to see the movie to understand it. She was just absolute pure evil. Yeah, I can't explain it to you without seeing the movie. Just absolute evil. Netflix has a series called Ratchet. They just had a, a season one, I don't know, maybe six months or so ago. I, I'm, I'm sure. In fact, there is going to be a season two. You could watch that without watching the movie and you could still see the evilness in her. Like in Netflix... It was a little more layered and complex. Like it kind of told her story a little bit more. Whereas in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, she was just this badass bitch nurse, man. It was just pure evil, man. So I'm going to go with her. And I'm going to go with, uh, again, this is kind of <laughs> staying in my lane in my era that, that gets me in trouble. But I'm, I'm going to, Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid, the movies. I, Danny LaRussa, I, when I grew up in the 80s, I used to, I don't know, it's not a cocky, but I was a decent looking teenager, man. People used to tell me all the time, I look like Danny LaRusso. I look like Ralph Macchio <laughs> from the Karate Kid. I had, you know, the nice skin tone. I had the hair that looked just like him. So I was a big Danny LaRusso fan, Ralph Macchio fan. And I love the Karate Kid movies. That dude was such a dick, man. He was such a bully. Hated him, hated him. He was a huge villain. Now I know it would have been easier to say, I, I forgot the guy's name off the top of my head. The guy who runs... uh Cobra Kai, the old guy who's still in the series now in the Netflix series. I forgot his name, man. But uh, for me, it was Johnny Lawrence. So I, I'm going to, again, I'm going to say true. Sensei Kreese. Yeah, Kreese. Um, yeah, John Kreese. That's his name, right? I, I should I could have said him, but I'm going to stick with my guns here. So I'm going to go Johnny Lawrence. So Nurse Ratchet and Johnny Lawrence are picks three and four. And you're going to be, what do you got here? You've had three. So you're going to be on your clock for your last two. Now, real quick, have you watched the Cobra Kai series on Netflix. Can you? Have I? No, have you have you seen it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, dude, it's so good. It is so good. <laughs> it is good. I, I'm gonna tell you, I got mad at I think it was the end of season two. The the fight, uh, and again, I'm not gonna give away spoilers because it's relatively new, but the fight that went on for like an hour in the school, I think it was the end of season two, right? Yeah, it was yeah. the end of season two. It's like, why is this not getting broken up? How does this happen? You know what I mean? It was the most outlandish shit ever. But yeah, the cheesiness and that show has stayed really true to the movie too. I mean, they're constantly yeah. paying homage, especially in season three. Again, I don't want to give away yeah. any spoilers, but you know what I'm talking about. Great series. Yeah, I actually love it, man. It's so it's so good. Apparently, there's no cops anywhere in this universe that they they live in, but uh, it, it's it's so great. It's, <laughs> I, I love it so much. Yeah, okay, so uh, my last two is, next one is Commodus from Gladiator. Absolute evil evil character uh, i really think that joaquin phoenix there there's that name again right uh, yeah. i think that he would have won best supporting actor that year if they had included uh, one of the deleted scenes that's on the dvd where he sees his father's bust and just starts like wailing on it and, and hitting it and everything because he was such a you know he was such a, a torn individual because his father didn't invest love into him instead his father invested love into uh maximus and uh you can understand why he's so evil or you can understand what would make somebody go that route not why he's but 
but dude, he's evil <laughs> in that movie. Like you never want to see someone die, but like his that scene where it's the movie's twenty two years old. I can spoil it. When right. Russell Crowe, you know, kills that character. There's there's a party like good. <laughs> you know, he was just so bad. He was yeah. so evil, yep. so bad. Yep. Oh yep. my gosh. Okay, and then so for my last one, and, and, and people listening that, that know me on on Twitter, and you know even just listen to this uh, list that I have. I have another comic book character uh, and this one is going to be Loki from uh, mainly from the, the Avenger, the Avengers movie, but throughout the entire Marvel cinematic universe, he's got his own series coming out in June. That's because he's such a great character that people love. He's gone back and forth between being, you know, the villain to, to helping out the good guys to, you know, in this series, I don't know where his character is going to go, but, um, He's just so great. And there's a reason why he has a cult following, you know, among, you know, Marvel fans. He's just, Tom Hiddleston has just played that character. Great. He's like a wrestler who constantly turns heel. Like he, yes, he's a good absolutely. guy. And then he, he lies so much. It, it's actually funny. And nobody trusts him. And, and he's still, and he constantly lies. That's a great, I expected low key from you. Communist, I did not expect. That's a good one. I never even thought of him, to be honest with you. All right. My last one. And, <laughs> Some people might laugh, but he was a villain, man. Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's how you're going to win this poll. You totally are playing it. You're totally I'm re- playing I'm, it. To I'm, going to, I'm going to tweet it out to him and try to get him to retweet it. it might, that might be like my only chance to, to win this poll. But think about it. Wasn't he, wasn't he not a great villain, man? He tried to oh, take Grandpa's sure. house and drive Happy out of there. He, tried, he was just like a, a pricky asshole. <laughs> he never got another iconic, jacket. Another iconic bad guy when it comes down to it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So to recap, um, Dell drafted the Joker, played by Heath Ledger. That's important to say that too. Thanos, Kaiser Soze, Commodus, and, and Loki. I went with Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Nurse Ratchet, Johnny Lawrence, which I'm going to pay for that one, and Shooter McGavin, which I kind of like that one. But anyway, I'll put up a poll this weekend on Twitter and uh, see how it goes. Feel pretty confident with yours? I am. I am very much. Now, can I give an honorable mention? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got a couple as well. Go ahead. I, I, I figured this guy was going to be on your list, actually. It was Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. Good one. And from Creed Two, right? Yeah. Um, just, I mean, pfft. He killed the pilot. He was ever, uh, for us, like our childhood, he was like the bad guy. So yeah, he killed him. I got one or two as well. Uh, if you watch Spaceballs, Dark Helmet, Rick Moranis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, was a, he was a hilarious... Uh, a victim. And then going back to, you mentioned, we talked about Jack Nicholson, uh, his character, Jack Torrance from the Shining. man. I, I, he was, he was great in that too. And Freddy Krueger too. So I had three honorable mentions that didn't, Freddy Krueger made you, I, I thought he was kind of corny and compared yeah. to Jason and Michael, but he, he, the theme, the premise of being afraid to go to sleep kind of resonated with kids the most because like that kind of movie would make you afraid to go to sleep. Like it wasn't yeah. realistic to get caught at, Camp Crystal Lake and Jason was going to kill you, but to fall asleep, it felt a little more realistic that you know those nightmares were were going to come get you. That opening scene of the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie when he's they actually shows him making the glove. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, Wes Craven, <laughs> Wes Craven, something else. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap this up here. Make sure you give Dell a follow on Twitter at Dell Reed seven one six. Go on and get the shirt this week again. High school, it, it's a great shirt, and it, uh, it benefits. 45-year-old Kevin, who is battling kidney cancer. Thanks, as always, for doing this. Like I said, next week, it's going to be draft coverage, so I'll have you back, and uh, we'll talk about these polls and come up with some new stuff, and we'll talk about the Bills draft and, and see what your thoughts are now that the draft's over. We'll do that in a couple weeks. Thanks, as always, for joining me, brother. Always looking forward to uh, getting back together in a couple weeks. Go Bills. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today's episode. One more time, big thank you to my buddy Del Reed, owner of 26 Shirts, co-founder of Bill's Mafia, legitimately and authentically one of my favorite people. Love doing that segment every Friday with Del. So thank you very much. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Del Reed 716 And of course, get out there and support 26 Shirts. You're not just putting a cool shirt on your back. You're helping someone out who really could use it. So make sure you support. Again, thank you, Dell. Coming up on the show, like I said, 
six episodes next week. We've never done it before. We're going to be on almost every day. Make sure you're subscribed. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever it is that you listen to podcasts on. Hit that follow button and new episodes will get sent directly to you so that you know exactly when they are published. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I'm constantly on there tweeting out podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests, polls, uh, sports talk, pop culture talk, all kinds of stuff there. I'm there literally all the time. At Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time because I truly mean it. When you're locked into this podcast, when there's so many great ones out there, so many to choose from, and you're giving up your time to listen to me, man, it it, it feels so good. It means the world to me. It really does. So I'm very humbled. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. And we'll be back with a crap load of episodes starting next Monday. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.